Good morning, everyone. Good to see you this morning. What a beautiful day we've been given and a great opportunity to come together to worship God and study from his word. If you got your Bible with you, whether paper form or digital, go ahead and get that out. Make your way, please, to the book of Colossians with me this morning. I want to ask you to go to Colossians chapter one. Just go ahead and park yourself right at the book of Colossians. We're not going to go anywhere else. Don't need to go anywhere else this morning. Not going to take you all over the place. Going to just leave you right here in Colossians. All we need to do this morning is study from the book of Colossians. And we're going to start with Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 9. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 9, the Apostle Paul says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I want you to ponder on those verses for just a few moments. You know, a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, our kids did something the kids often do, and that is they found themselves some pets. They found themselves their own pets. They, since they know their dad is not a pet person at all, the best chance they were ever going to have to be able to get some pets was they were going to have to find them pets themselves. And so a couple of days before the new school year got started, they were both with Janicia hanging out with her at her school, and they found a couple of the caterpillars. They found a couple of caterpillars in the corner of her classroom and they created a home using a toy container for those caterpillars. And they named those two caterpillars and they did all kinds of research on how to keep those caterpillars alive. They found out from YouTube that the best chance they had for the survival of those caterpillars included giving them leaves for food and wet paper towels for water and making sure that their home was constructed in such a way to where they could not easily crawl out and escape and and faith especially wanted to make sure that they didn't climb on top of each, each other she said they didn't like that at at all they really wanted to ensure the survival of those caterpillars and the reason why they wanted to ensure the survival of those caterpillars is because they wanted to see them do what caterpillars often do and that is grow that is change that is transform from being caterpillars into moths or butterflies that's what they wanted to see take place after several days and unfortunately they didn't get to see that take place. Unfortunately, both of those caterpillars died after being under their supervision for about three days. And before you accuse me of being someone who was sneaking around in the dark trying to assassinate these caterpillars, let me just say that it wasn't me. I didn't do it. I didn't kill those caterpillars. In fact, I too was eagerly awaiting their transformation. I too was also wanting to see them change. I wanted to see 
what this process was going to look like. It actually reminds me of what the Apostle Paul told the Colossians about authentic discipleship in Christianity about 2,000 years ago. For those of you who are part of this church family, the Monte Vista church family, if you remember a couple of months ago, we began a short one sermon a month sermon series from the book of Colossians, right? Remember a couple of months ago, we made a goal to preach at least one sermon a month from each of the four chapters found in the book of Colossians. Remember in chapter one, we learned, particularly in these verses we just read this morning, that the book of Colossians is a book about, it's a book about growth. It's a book about spiritual growth and spiritual maturity, learning how to walk and bear fruit and please the Lord as Christians. You see, a big part of growing and pleasing the Lord as a Christian involves growing in our knowledge of the Lord. It involves growing in our knowledge of our identity of the Lord, growing in our understanding of the fact that in addition to being the Lord and the Son of God, Jesus is king. He is the king over a spiritual kingdom. And he is God. He is deity. And he is the firstborn or the preeminent one over all creation and from the dead. And he is the redeemer of our souls. That's what we learned in our study from chapter 1. And then last month when we studied a portion of chapter 2, we learned that when we gave our lives to the king, when we gave our lives to God and the redeemer of our souls, when we were baptized in water for the remission of our sins, well, we experienced circumcision. We experienced the circumcision of Christ or the circumcision that has been made without hands. Remember, the circumcision made without hands, according to Paul, was a work of God that involved the removal of our sins and, and giving us access to spiritual life. It involved God forgiving us of all of our sins and making us spiritually alive and even giving us a new identity in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul will talk more about this idea of identity in Colossians 3. Look with me starting at verse number 1. As we move to Colossians 3 and we start with verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth, for you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry, for it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth, do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, and circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free man, but Christ is all and in all. Now we're going to spend some time 
really trying to break down what all those verses are saying this morning. But for right now, I really just want you to focus in on verse number 10. You see verse number 10 there in that chapter. I want you to notice how according to what the Apostle Paul says there in verse number 10, being made spiritually alive in Jesus Christ, growing in Jesus Christ, spiritually maturing in Jesus Christ involves doing exactly what Shawn Michael and Faith were waiting for those caterpillars to do, and that is change. It involves changing. It involves transforming. It involves becoming new and different than we were before. Once we experience the spiritual circumcision of baptism, Paul says we're supposed to look different. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to look and be like Jesus. We're supposed to reflect the image of Jesus. We're supposed to be renewed according to the image of the one who created us. That's what Paul says is supposed to happen. Once we experience the spiritual circumcision of God, the question, though, is, is how do we do that? How, how do we do what Paul is talking about here in this verse? How do we live in such a way to where we reflect the image of Jesus Christ? How do we become new people? How do we demonstrate the kind of spiritual transformation and change that the Lord demands from us as his people? Well, I want to submit in this lesson that this process, this concept of spiritual transformation involves two very important things. First, according to what Paul says here, spiritual transformation, becoming new in Jesus Christ, involves new thinking. It involves developing a new kind of thinking. Now, that's what Paul says in verses 1 through 4 of this chapter. But even before you get to verses 1 through 4 of this chapter, Paul actually starts talking about this in the previous chapter. He actually starts talking about this in chapter 2. And so go back and look at chapter 2 with me. We talked a little bit about chapter 2 in our study last week. I want you to notice how beginning with verse number 16. You see verse number 16 there in the text. In verse 16 of chapter 2, Paul in that verse starts talking about Judaizers. He talks about Judaizers. He talks about false teachers who came in among the Colossians and started promoting promoting things that are not found in the gospel. He talks about how men came in among them and started trying to bind upon them certain aspects of the old law. They were trying to deceive them into believing that in addition to keeping the requirements of the gospel, well, they also had to keep the feast days. And they had to keep the Sabbath day. And they had to keep the dietary restrictions. And then in verse 21 of chapter 2, they were telling them things like, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. They were putting all these restrictions on these Christians. And Paul says all of those restrictions, all of those requirements that were being binded on them, they were wrong. They were, they were sinful. They were additions to the gospel. At the end of verse 23, he says those things were of no value. They were additions, things of no value. And here's the application for us when it comes to those verses. The application for us is we need to avoid being like those false teachers. 
we need to be careful of making additions to the gospel. We need to be careful of binding on other Christians things where we don't have a clear book, chapter, and verse. We need to be careful of creating our own avenues of holiness for other people. Paul says that's wrong. That is, that is of no value. That's exactly what the false teachers were doing among the Colossians. And so you go back to chapter 3 now, and you look at verse 1. After Paul says these additions to the gospel, these man-made creations for our extra holiness before God, after he says that stuff's of no value, in chapter 3 and verse 1 he says, Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. What is Paul talking about there? With their Paul, he's talking about focus. He's talking about focus. He's talking about mentality. He's talking about the kinds of things that we need to be thinking about as the people of God. Paul says as Christians, we got to have the right kind of mind and the right kind of focus and the right kind of mindset. Having the right kind of focus and mindset in our lives involves always thinking about heaven. We got to always think about heaven. We got to always think about God and Jesus Christ who sits at the right hand of God. We got to always make sure that we're not consumed in the things of this world and that we understand the temporary existence of the things of this world. You see, if I live my life according to what Paul is saying there. If I live my life always focused on the things of heaven, if I live my life always focused on the things which are above, well, that's going to impact my life. That's going to impact how I live my life every single day. That especially is going to impact my priorities in life. That's going to impact what I am busy about doing every single day. You see, if heaven and those who are in heaven are constantly on my mind as a Christian, then I'm always going to be about the things of heaven. I'm always going to be about reading my Bible, which comes from heaven every single day. And I'm going to be about praying to God who dwells in heaven every single day. And I'm going to be about helping as many people as I can go to heaven and leading my family according to heaven's plan and treating my neighbor and even my enemy according to heaven's plan and doing my best to behave according to heaven's plan and every aspect of my life. Setting my mind on the things which are above will impact my priorities. It will impact what I am first and foremost about in every aspect of my life. But not only will it impact my priorities in life, it's also going to impact how I view myself. It's going to impact how I view my identity. That's really what Paul is talking about there. He is talking about how the Christian should view himself or view herself. He's talking about how we should view our identity. If I were to ask you today, to just send me a short email with four or five things about your identity. What, what would you say to me? What would you put on that email? What would you include in your list of four or five things about your identity? Would you tell me that you are American? 
Would you tell me that you're a teacher or an engineer or a nurse or a doctor or a pilot or maybe you're someone who's retired? Would you tell me that you're the son or the daughter of whoever your parents' names are? Would you tell me that you're a ball player or a musician or a gamer? What about what Paul says in those verses? What about being somebody who's been raised with Christ, according to what Paul says in verse 1? What about being someone who has died to sin and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, according to verse number three? What about being someone who is currently on a path to be with Christ in glory, according to what he says in verse number four? You see, according to what Paul is telling us in those verses, if we are Christians, if we are disciples, if we are someone who's received spiritual circumcision and we've made a, been made alive in Jesus Christ, that's who we are. That, that, that's our identity. That's how we got to start viewing ourselves every single day. We have to understand who we are. Many of you know I like to use a lot of examples with my kids and them because that's basically what my life, a lot of what my life is right now. It's kind of like what I've been talking with my son about when it comes to basketball. See, right now, Shawn Michael's trying to transform from someone who just plays basketball to a basketball player. You understand the difference, don't you? Sean Jeffries likes to play basketball, but I'm not a basketball player. Steph Curry's a basketball player. LeBron James is a basketball player. That's who they are. That's their identity. And right now, Sean Michael's going through that process where he's not just someone who shoots some hoops. He's trying to become a ball player. That's identity. Well, first and foremost, when it comes to Christians, our identity needs to be serving Jesus. It needs to be being a Christian. Understanding that first and foremost, you're not a teacher. You're not a pilot. You're not an engineer. You're not a construction worker. You're not a mom or a dad or a grandparent or a ball player or a musician. No, first and foremost, you got to walk around understanding every day that you're someone who has a relationship with God. You're a child of God. You're someone who's been forgiven by God. And you've been made alive in Jesus Christ. If you think of yourself in those terms every single day, that's going to help you stay focused. That's going to help you stay focused on God. That's going to help you stay focused on Jesus. That's going to help you always remember that this world is not your home. You're just a passing through. That's going to help you always live a life that pleases God as you know he watches you from heaven. Paul says that becoming new involves new kind of thinking. You got to think new, but not only must you think new, you also got to live new. You got to live new in Jesus Christ. Living new in Jesus Christ involves first putting off the old way of living. Putting off all the stuff that Paul mentions in verses 5 through 9. Living new in Jesus Christ involves killing, killing the immorality and the impurity and the passion and the evil desire and the greed that he mentions in verse number five. 
It involves putting off the sex outside of marriage and the pornography and the adultery and living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. It also involves putting off the anger, Paul says, and the bitterness and the lashing out at people with uncontrolled rage and the being full of wrath and malice and slander and allowing filthy words to come out of our mouths. It also involves no longer lying. It also involves no longer being deceitful and dishonest. Do you remember from our Bible reading in Acts chapter 5? Remember Ananias and Sapphira? Remember Ananias and Sapphira, a Christian married couple? They were struck down dead by God because they didn't put off lying. They didn't put off being dishonest. Paul says that all this evil stuff, all this evil stuff, it's got to be put off. It's got to be put off if we're going to become new in Jesus Christ. It's got to be killed, according to verse 3. It's got to be considered dead, according to verse number 5. It's got to be understood to be behaviors that will put us on a path to receive the wrath of God, verse 6. It's got to be laid aside with the old self. And his evil practices, according to verse number nine, Paul is telling us here that part of being a Christian, part of being a disciple involves doing our best to stop sinning. Stop sinning. Stop doing the evil things that you used to do. You got to put off that old sinful way of living. And you got to put on a new righteous life. You got to put off the old sinful person, put on the new spiritual person who's been made alive in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 10, please. Verse number 10 of Colossians 3 says, again, having put on the new self. The implication is there's an old self. Can't have a new self without an old self. Well, the old self's got to go. You got to put on the new self who's been renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there's no distinction between Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man, but Christ is all and in all. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they do not lose heart. Slaves in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing God. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequence of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Here's what I want you to see from all those verses. 
what I want you to see is according to what the Apostle Paul is telling us in those verses. Becoming new in Jesus Christ doesn't just involve stopping doing evil things. But Paul says as Christians, it's not enough for us just to stop sinning. It's not enough for us just to stop having evil thoughts and evil attitudes and doing evil things. No, Paul says that in addition to stopping the evil things, we got to start doing the right things. It's not enough just to stop sinning. We got to start doing what's right. We got to practice good works. We got to engage in good actions every single day. I believe that this is something that we often miss when it comes to true Christianity. I think we often miss this when it comes to true Christianity. While it is true, while it is true that there's a bunch of thou shalt not stuff that, that, that we got to make sure we don't do. While that's true. While it is true, there's a bunch of stuff, a bunch of sinful stuff that we got to empty and clean out of our lives when we come to God. Paul also says there's a bunch of stuff that we got to put on in our lives. There's a bunch of stuff we got to do. There's a bunch of stuff that we got to fill into the place where the spiritual stuff used to be. Paul says it's not enough just to put off the uncontrolled anger. And putting off the lying and the immorality and the gossip and the bitterness and the trashy language, it's not enough just to put off that stuff. We also got to put on godly character. We got to put on the kindness and the compassion and the humility and the gentleness and the patience and, and the forgiveness and the attitude of gratitude towards the blessings of God. In verse number 16, he says we got to put on a passion for worshiping God. We got to put on a passion to, for devoting ourselves to psalms and hymns and, and spiritual songs. We got to make sure, verse 17, that we do everything in the name of the Lord. That is, we got to do it all by the authority of the Lord. We got to put on godly character. And we also got to put on integrity in all the relationships we have in our lives. We got to embrace, embrace the God-given roles that we have in our lives. This means that wives, according to verse 18, must submit to and honor their husbands. And husbands must love and honor their wives. They have to treat their wives right. And children must obey their parents. And parents must raise their children in the ways of God. And slaves must work hard for their masters and obey their masters in the fear of the Lord. In our case today, that means that we got to have integrity on our jobs. We got to work hard on our jobs. We got to avoid being lazy and trying to cut corners on our jobs. In chapter 4 and verse 1, he says that masters... Those who have people under them, they got to treat those people with fairness and justice. In verse number two, he says we got to devote ourselves to prayer. In verse number five, he says that we have to conduct ourselves with wisdom towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity we have to win them for the glory of God. All this means is being a Christian involves doing good. It's not just about stopping doing evil. We got to do good. We got to do right. We got to think right and we got to live right. We got to live how the gospel has called us to live in every aspect of our lives. We got to be the kind of 
husbands that God has called us to be or the kind of wives that God has called you to be. We got to be the kind of parents. We got to be the kind of workers on our jobs, the kind of sons, the kind of daughters, the kind of friends, the kind of citizens of our country, the kind of brothers and sisters in Christ that God has called us to be. Paul says that serving Jesus involves changing. It involves transformation. It involves maturity, growing, striving to look more and more like Jesus every single day. It is not enough just to stop doing the sinful works. We also got to start doing the righteous works. We got to do the good works. We got to do the works of Jesus in every aspect of our lives. That's what Paul, that's what he's talking about in chapter 3. He's talking about transformation, becoming new in Jesus Christ. And so I want to ask you, are you doing that? Are you doing that? Can you truly say, can you truly say that you've become new in Jesus Christ? Have you put on the new self? Have you experienced true spiritual transformation? If you have not yet experienced that, you can start experiencing that. Today, today you can obey the gospel. You can have faith in Christ and repent of your sins and allow him to spiritually circumcise you through baptism in water for the forgiveness of sins. Or if you've experienced the spiritual circumcision before, but you know you haven't been living as a new creation, you can repent today. You can ask God to forgive you and you can get back on the right path and we will pray with you and pray for you and encourage you as a brother or sister in Christ. Whatever spiritual needs you may have, come to the front right now. We'll help you. Let's stand. Let's sing.